Today we're going to go down a, uh, a limping story. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? I, 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 we were talking about this the other day, and I love this. You, you have two categories. You have limping stories, which you know aren't aren't uh, uh, maybe always uh, good or you know fantastic, and then you have the cloud stories, which are the awesome stories. Yeah, and, and I think that I, you know the reason I want to do it this way, Jonathan, is so that our listeners know that my life has has currently has and has always had. A lot of challenges. Sure. Just so, they don't, just so they don't think, hey, this guy lives a great life and he's just talking about the fun things he does. Because I do live a good life, but it's always come at a price. I guess sure. that's a good way to put it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let me take you back. Summer of 1980. The, the most important thing going on that year was the uh, Iran hostage crisis. Mm, mm. You know, the, the 444 days. And... It was particularly hard for me because, you know, I'm brown. Right, right. right. <laughs> and, and to be honest, when you grow up in Kansas, outside of your friends who loved me and never treated me poorly at all, outside of my friend circle, you know, all people see is this kid that looks like he could be the Ayatollah Khomeini's son, right? Yeah. And there's, there's, you know, I think it was 52 Americans that were held captive for 444 days. So... This happened during that time frame. Yeah. Okay? Okay. What I used to do, and I, you know, I most recently did in the co-ed league with my wife like six or seven years ago, but I always played baseball growing up. Mm. I, I loved baseball. And it's funny for people listening, they're like, how can that guy play? How I did is I throw and catch with the same hand. Oh, like Jim right? Abbott. Yeah, exactly like Jim Abbott. Right. So what I do is I've trained myself to catch the ball with my right hand, whip the glove off as fast as possible and take the ball out of the glove and, and throw it over to first base as fast yeah. as I can. Yeah. Right? And knowing that it was uh, hard for me to do, I found a way to make it quicker than the average kid could do, right? Or most average kids. Obviously, a highly talented kid could do it faster than me. <laughs> but So anyway, we used to play pickup baseball games in a church field. It was Holy Cross Church, big brick church with a huge white steeple. Mm. So it's a blissful time for me. You know, I'd ride my bike. At that time, it was a huffy, a red and white huffy dirt bike. And like every kid, I'd put my glove over, you know, one of the handlebars. Oh, yeah. And ride up to the game. And, you know, one funny moment uh, that I wanted to share is when I rode my bike to these games... I always, like, I'd pump myself up before the game, so I always thought, uh, as I'm riding my bike down the sidewalks or up the sidewalks, people would get out of my way, right? And in my, <laughs> mind, in my mind, I thought, man, I must be a badass rider. You know, they're, they're, they're afraid of me. They're, they're, they're moving back. And now, as an adult, I just see all they saw is a disabled kid wobbling towards Right, yeah, they're just like, get out of the way! Get out of the way! what I, I'm sure that's what they were thinking. So what happens is I'm riding my bike home and all of a, all of a sudden a drunk, very large man in a Coors Light hat bursts out of his home, rushes up to me and tells me to stop, right? Okay. Like stop riding my bike. I look at him and when I look at him, he draws a gun. Oh man. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Right? <laughs> like, that'll get you to stop. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, it got me to stop. And the funny thing is, I stopped, and I don't have balance on my left side. Right. I have, I have tremendous balance on my right side, but I have no balance on my left. So I stopped and kind of fell over on the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and I couldn't get out. I couldn't get my bike off of me because I was on the left side of my body. Oh, man. Right? And so this guy rushes up to me with his gun pointed at me and starts telling me to get off of his property. But, and I remember looking up at him saying, dude, I'm not on your lawn. I'm, you know, this is like the grass on the other side of the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. This is like the city's <laughs> property. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then he clarified himself and he goes, I don't mean my yard. I mean America. And I'm like, oh, God, oh, no. And he started to blame me for the Iran hostage crisis. Wow. And he started to say, are you Ayatollah's son? I'll tell you, he kept on saying Ayatollah Asahola, Ayatollah Asahola, right? And wow. I'm like, I'm like, I agree. I agree. I mean, in my mind, I was an American kid that right. came from Kansas. Right, right. So I'm like, I agree. And he goes, your dad's the Ayatollah. And I'm like, no, my dad is Shockett. He's an engineer, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and my mom manages the 7-Eleven on 103rd and Master. Those are my parents. I have nothing to do with Ayatollah. Yeah. Right? And so he got up, actually pointed the gun directly between my eyes. <laughs> right? And he just said, I'm going to kill you. Oh, man. And, and, and I'm like... You know, okay. And he's like, what do you mean, okay? I'm like, well, what, what am I going to do, dude? <laughs> right? And like I tell you, people that say that when you see your life flash before your eyes, I did not see my life flash before my eyes, but all I saw is, honestly, and I'm just, I'm not trying to make a joke, Jonathan. Yeah. All I saw is, oh, my God. I might not see the Royals this year because they're doing really good. And I think I'm going to die in the next couple minutes. Man, right? that is it. And you're, you're what, 10, 12? Right? Yeah, in 1980, I was 12. Man. I thought I was going to die. And a neighbor walked out on her porch a couple uh, doors down. Yeah. And, and she yelled at the guy. I guess, you know, because she's like, let him go, let him go. He's not worth it. And the funny thing is, I'll never forget that part of the story because she didn't say, let him go, let him go. You know, he's just a kid, and you don't right, want to right. kids, yeah. right? She actually said... He's not worth it. <laughs> he's not worth it, meaning he's not worth going to jail for. Right, right. right. And so he did let me go. All I remember is getting on my bike and pedaling as fast as I can, knowing that at any second he could shoot. So I rush home. I don't tell my mom and dad what happened. I'm totally embarrassed, but on the way home, I'm bawling my eyes out. Oh, right? yeah, and, totally. You know, and, and, and not because he, this is what's interesting, not because I almost died. I'm bawling my eyes out because this guy kept telling me I was not American. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and yeah. And I'm like, of course I am, dude, you know? Right, so, like, uh, I don't know any place but here. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. I moved here when I was like eight or nine months old. So yeah. I don't know any other place. Here's what I did. I go to my room, you know, my family is in the living room watching TV. I go to my room, lock the door, 
And then I did something that I'll never forget doing, that I did again when I was 34 years old. And at that point, I was, you know, 12. Yeah. But what I did is I put on some Beatles, you know, my, my band of choice. Yeah. Right? And then I looked in the mirror, and I hated what I saw. Hmm. Because I saw, then I took my shirt off, and I realized the left side of my chest and the left side of my body is a lot smaller than my right. Mm. And, you know, I don't really see myself as being deficient, not then, not now. So you never really look at yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And when I started to look at myself, I started to think, how are others seeing me? They must be seeing me as, like, a less-than-human minority that doesn't even look normal. Mm. Right? Mm. And then what I do when I get nervous is I always hook my arm, my left arm, to my chest. And I always hook my left thumb under my fingers. Okay. It's almost like I'm, it's like I'm hiding my hand. Sure, sure. So I took my pants off and then I took all of my clothes off. And I stood in front of the mirror completely naked and I just started crying because I hated, hated what I saw. Right? Mm. And I still remember the Beatles album ending. It was uh, Abbey Road. Mm, you know, mm. back then it was vinyls, not... <laughs> right, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't even not cassette. A CD, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember having to break my stare in the mirror so I could flip the, you know... The right, flip the it album. over, yeah. Right, and then after Abbey Road was done, I did Sgt. Pepper's, and after Sgt. Pepper's was done, I did the White Album. And I just stood there, staring at my naked body in the mirror and crying... Until I started to like what I saw. Mm. And then I stood there longer until I started to love what I saw. Mm. Right? Mm. And, and it's one of those things, because, you know, I want to reiterate, my family and friends were always super supportive and very, very nice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's just, and I know you must have dealt with it after, after you lost your sight. When you're kind of trying to figure out, some days you're really okay with it, and other days you're like, WTF, Yeah. Do I do? No, totally. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, when I first lost my sight, I mean, for, for years, I would always wear sunglasses because one of my eyes still, like, you know, opens and closes and functions normally, but my other eye, the right eye, my eyelid stays closed due to nerve damage, so it's always shut. And so I would constantly wear sunglasses from the moment I woke up until I went to bed, because I didn't want anyone to, like, see that my, one eye shut, one eye closed. And, well, and, I would, and I would always hide my cane. After I was done using it, I would fold it up and, like, shove it into the, my arm, the, the, the arm of my coat or whatever, because I didn't want anyone to think, like, oh, he's blind. So, but it, it just took me a while to deal with it, and then finally I, I was just like, hey, this is who I am. I might as you know, what's the point of hiding behind it? And so I stopped, stopped wearing them. Now, now it, it sounds like, too, that might have been, I mean, you know, not only did someone have a gun to your face, like, you know, between your eyes, but, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this almost sounds like, too, maybe the first encounter you've had where someone was judging you, not even, not, you know, take, take the kind of disability off the table, but they were just judging you because of your nationality. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it's, it's, it's wonderful that you mentioned that. I mean, it's not a good thing, but... yeah. It's wonderful that you mentioned that for the following reason. Uh, when we did the swimming podcast, that was the first time I felt disabled. This story was the first time I felt like I was not seen as an American. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, 
this was the first time that I thought, wow, I guess I am an outsider. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've got the minority thing going on. I've got the disability thing going on. And I'm short. So, you know, it's funny. Anytime my friends say they have trouble doing stuff or they can't accomplish something, I'm like, hey, man, I'm a short, disabled minority. (laughs) So you have have no excuse not to accomplish what you want. Exactly. I think really, you know, after just talking to you, the more and more I get to know you, it really comes down to just that drive. As long as you have that drive or that will to accomplish whatever it is, it'll get done. Yeah, it will. And you know what? I'll wrap up this, uh, this podcast on the following thought. Something that may seem a little harsh, but it is what I live my life by. When I'm on my deathbed, hopefully that's many, many years from now, very far from now. When I'm on my deathbed, if I look back at my life and I fail to accomplish the things that I really wanted to, mm. I have nobody to blame but me. Mm. Mm. And, and, you know, I live by that every day. Because I never want to be in a position to where I say, if my accident didn't happen, I'd have a different life. Or if if I got this opportunity as a teenager, this wouldn't have happened or this wouldn't have happened, right? Yeah, right. I I never get into that because the bottom line is, if anything in your life has been different, you may not be where you are right now. 